I'm sitting this afternoon in our offices with Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Hi. Jennifer, as many of you know, is also one of the counselors and coaches on fairhealing.com and here in our Orlando offices, works with couples mm -hmm. through a fair recovery. You've actually got a life outside of these offices. I was surprised. I know. I, know. I don't sleep here. I... <laughs> well, in your bio, it talks about occasionally being involved in triathlons. Mm -hmm. And right now you're in training for another triathlon. Yep. A half Ironman in Raleigh in <sighs> I June. Don't I don't get it. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's definitely a time commitment. <laughs> I know. Well, I know it has been for you. You're biking, you're running, you're swimming. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So talk a little bit about why you go through that agony and pain. What does that do for you? Why, why does that seem so significant and rewarding in your life? I know that it is. For one, I'm a very competitive person. Okay. So I like to win and I like to compete. And I feel like triathlons and running events, you compete against yourself mostly. I know I'm not going to go out and win my age group, but I know that each race that I do, I can try to better my time and bring it down faster and faster. And I can train more, train harder. And crossing that finish line, knowing that less than 1% of the population will ever even attempt to complete that. Yeah, including me. Never <laughs> attempted that. It's kind of an, I guess you could say it's an ego thing too, but it's just a sense of accomplishment crossing that finish line, knowing you spent it's been going to be six months of training leading up to that one race day. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. Well, good for you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into swimming, but I, you know, I'm, what is that, a one-athlon? I don't know what that <laughs> A swimmer. Be. It's I'm called a, a swimmer. I'm, a, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get back into my swimming routine there. Yeah. So. Jennifer and I decided it would be helpful for us to sit down and just talk about some of the things that are important to consider when you're seeking out counseling for a fair recovery. Mm -hmm. And we have mentioned this before in previous podcasts. Yep. There's even an audio segment as part of the first aid that I know is at the end of the course and fewer people listen to it. But I want to do a podcast that specifically addressed eight of the cautions that people should be aware of when they're considering counseling after an affair. Yeah, it's such a difficult time already. In order, if you're going to seek help, you don't want to be stuck in a situation where it's not helpful or it makes matters worse. So it's really important that there's some things you kind of keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, and that can happen. Yeah, I'm sure it does all the time. There have been many uh, very damaging experiences that have ended up being more traumatizing for me and obviously have not helped him, have in fact enabled him to continue doing what he does. I'm very angry, actually, with the counselors that we've seen because they've They've actually harmed him and obviously harmed our relationship. So we want to give you eight specific things to look for mm -hmm. in order to make helpful choices in regards to your affair recovery counseling. Yes. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim Tedder and Jennifer Gingras. The first caution that we had talked about was making sure that couples counseling doesn't start until after the affair has ended. Hmm. 
it's going to be hard to work on a marriage and work on healing if one partner is still involved in a relationship with somebody else. Yeah, there's this other force that's going on there mm-hmm. that is contrary to the couple working on a joint goal themselves. Sure, it's going to skew how that one partner views the relationship and it can cause a whole mess of other problems. Yeah, so if the affair is still ongoing. And you know about it. Then avoid typical couples counseling. Yes. If counseling is going to happen, then maybe individual counseling would mm-hmm. be appropriate. Mm-hmm but not couples counseling. With one exception, there is one kind of counseling where the couples can go in together that really can fit even when an affair is going on, and Mm -hmm. that's discernment counseling. Discernment counseling is a little bit different approach, a little bit different agenda. The point of discernment counseling is helping a couple come to a place of decision. Mm -hmm. If an affair is going on, it's helping the person in the affair to come to choices in regards to what they're doing there, and it helps the betrayed spouse come to healthy choices in regards to what they're going to do. Do you you keep investing and hoping in the marriage? How do you establish healthy boundaries in your life if that's necessary? Should you stay together? Should you separate? Discernment counseling can help with that. And it does it by having the couple come in together, but then spending time in the session where each person has individual time as well. Right. And it's normally shorter number of sessions than your typical marriage counseling as well. So that kind of leads into the second caution that as soon as partners agree to work towards decisions together, Mm -hmm. they should start joint counseling. So that joint counseling may be discernment counseling because they agree we need to come to a decision. Let's get help with it. Or the joint counseling may be a fair recovery counseling. Mm -hmm. Let's go together and start working. But as soon as you're at a place where you're both agreeing towards a certain goal, go to counseling together. There's so many emotions and feelings that are coming up. It's really important to have a neutral third party that can help walk you through that. Yeah. So what happens when maybe a couple's at that place of needing help for a joint decision, but they don't go into joint counseling? Maybe they've already been in individual counseling and they just stay in individual counseling. Individual counseling can be tremendously helpful for individual growth. Absolutely. But when it's being done outside of the context of the relationship, first of all, that individual counselor is only hearing one side mm-hmm. of the story. Yep. And even good counselors are moving in to try to empower that individual towards change. And a lot of that stuff may be really good, but outside of the context of the trauma that's taken place, you have to be careful of how you're encouraging all that stuff to be implemented. It becomes very self-focused and focused on the healing of the relationship. Right. And the betrayed spouse is just going to feel like my partner's ignoring my needs and ignoring my hurt and my pain. And I I think they'll get stuck there and not be able to move forward. Well, I I would say even for the betrayed spouse, sometimes betrayed spouses move quickly into individual counseling. Mm -hmm. And and there can be the same risk there. Absolutely. You can have an individual counselor that's encouraging them to establish boundaries and to show strength in themselves. And outside of the context of understanding the trauma and the affair, that individual may be more empowered to move out of the marriage Mm -hmm. rather than considering the possibilities of what restoration might look like. Absolutely. So those things can only be properly addressed when you're going into counseling together, talking to the same counselor Mm -hmm. together. Yep. So what's important when you're looking for a counselor is to find a counselor who's worked specifically with a fair recovery. Yeah. So that's the third caution. Right. Don't find a counselor who might be really good at a lot of relationship stuff, but Mm -hmm. really doesn't have a lot of experience with a fair recovery. Yeah. I think it's definitely a specialty that they have to have some experience in. They may tend to move too quickly into let's focus on what went wrong in marriage and let's try to fix it without allowing the trade spouse time to heal and recover from that pain and the trauma. Well, how many times have we heard that yeah. or faced that? I mean, that's just a way too common occurrence. Mm-hmm. Hi, Tim. I just wanted to share with you some of my counseling disasters, and there have been many. My boyfriend cheated several times and lied, and the second therapist that we saw 
uh, when we told her the stories of things he had done, she said things like, well, you know, everybody lies. And then when he, she was addressing a situation where he had met with a woman and not told me about it, um, she said, well, you know, he just has a big heart. I know that sometimes that counselor that was involved with the couple is probably a very good marriage or couples counselor. And that's what they know. So they're trying to move the couple quickly to those things that they know can establish a healthy marriage and a strong connection, but they fail to deal with the trauma. Mm -hmm. And you can't move towards healthy living unless you've first dealt with the wound. Right. And there's so many things that are specific to a fair recovery. For example, the triggers that come up. That needs to be dealt with. It needs to have a plan of when this happens because it's going to happen. How's best to deal with it for yourself personally and for your spouse to kind of support you in that? For somebody who's not working in this area, they may not be aware that it's even an issue that comes up. Yeah. The particular issues in regards to forgiveness, Mm -hmm. for example. How many times have couples come in and the betrayed spouse tells the story of, you know, when we went to counseling in that first session, There was this strong push for me to forgive the affair so that we could move on to the other things. And that's just, not only is it inappropriate, it can actually be counterproductive. Sure. And also helping the unfaithful spouse consider the whys of their affair, uh, those things that caused a vulnerability in their life, Mm -hmm. that, that influenced the choices that they made. That's an important part of counseling that tends to come up, you know, only in affair recovery counseling. Right. I think that's huge. If you don't understand the why... You're at risk for it happening again if you kind of gloss over it and don't really look at what caused you to be vulnerable in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, there's all kinds of emotions that you have to deal with in regular relationship counseling, but understanding the deeper causes of emotions like anger, shame, sadness, fear, Mm -hmm. hurt that come out of the trauma of an affair is different than how a person might normally deal with those emotions in a marriage. They're typically heightened after an affair has occurred in the relationship. Caution number four has to do with money and cost of counseling. Yeah. Let's be honest. We're counselors, make our living this way, but we know it can be an expensive option for people. Especially if you're coming in frequently in the aftermath of an affair. Yeah. And maybe that's been part of what you've been struggling with in your marriage already. Mm. It's just financial issues and not having the resources. We strongly encourage people to seek out counseling because we know that sometimes that's a necessary benefit to really get unstuck from the patterns of marriage that are necessary for recovery. And yet couples that are thinking about that in terms of what's this going to cost, what would you say about those concerns? I think you have to look at it as a long-term investment. If your marriage is going to survive, then it's worth every penny you put into it because you're talking years and years and years of benefits. And even if it doesn't, you're still getting individual, something individual hopefully comes out of it where you're finding out new things about yourself or insights about how you are in relationship with others that can then benefit you as you move forward. So it can't be looked at as a short-term thing. There's long-term benefits to going. Yeah, we we definitely have that view of this is an investment Mm -hmm. for a better future. Kind of in the same way on a physical sense, we would say going to a doctor because your arm's broken or you've got a wound is probably a necessary investment that you wish you could have avoided. Sure. but, But you need that help so that you can heal properly moving forward. But I don't want to minimize the pressure that can put Mm-hmm. on couples. And sometimes we have people calling our office and saying, we need your help. How much does it cost? And I know as I'm explaining the different options that are available, you can almost hear it in their voice. They, 
oh, we can't afford to do yeah. that. And sometimes that's a legitimate concern. Mm -hmm. So what do we say to those people? Tough luck? No, I hope not. <laughs> I think you have to start exploring different options. So you can ask counselors in your area, do you offer scholarships or reduced rates? Is there a package deal that's going to bring down some of the costs? Or they're going online, a certain website called Open Path Collective, where counselors put their bio up there and they offer reduced counseling sessions. Okay, yeah, and that's a good option. And by the way, we will put references to these resources mm -hmm. along with the notes for this podcast in the podcast outline and notes. Just go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 205 and all that will be available to you. But yeah, the Open Path Collective is a mm -hmm. good online resource. Sometimes it's counselors who are just starting out building a practice and are offering reduced fees yep. through that website. Sometimes it's very qualified counselors who've been doing things for years and yet want to open up a certain number of hours mm -hmm. to people that may not be able to afford normal fees. So you can check that out. But even going back to a counselor in your area who may be very qualified in a fair recovery, maybe they're not on the Open Path Collective, call up the office. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to ask. Yeah. Say, listen, I've, I've read your site. We are definitely in need of services you provide. Are there any options? And whether it's scholarships that are offered, reduced fees, you know, a scale of payment mm -hmm. that some may not offer it, some will, it doesn't hurt to ask. It's worth looking into, especially if you're desperately looking for help. We believe that there's value and a good counselor, there's value to what they're providing and they should be paid for what they do. But when there is honest difficulty, mm -hmm. most counselors probably have an avenue in which they're open to listen to that. And if possible, provide help. So don't be afraid to ask. Right. Don't you, let money keep you away. It might just require a little more research on your part to find. Caution number five. You want to make sure that the counselor that you are seeing has the same goals that you have stated probably in your first, second session. A counselor shouldn't be pushing you in one direction or another based on what they feel is best. Yeah. And I think maybe there are certain kinds of questions you can even ask before going in to that first session. Mm -hmm. If they're open to answering questions, sometimes you can read a website and kind of get a sense. Right. But when we say the counselor's goal should be in line with your goals, ideally, a good counselor is going to come in and listen to what your goals are and help you move towards healthy choices in pursuit of those goals. Yes. Counselors not going to come in with their own agenda. Well, they here's where I shouldn't. think. shouldn't. No, but some do. <laughs> they do. And if they have an agenda, they should be very upfront about what their perspective mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. There are some counselors who feel that the only appropriate outcome after an affair is to help a couple back into marriage. Frankly, there are some other counselors who have an agenda that once betrayal has happened, then the healthy choice is to end the marriage. Right. Uh, we hear both of those things mm -hmm. happening. If we're being honest as counselors, our passion is to help couples, especially if their children involved, find that hope for a new relationship. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always happen. No, and we can't expect that we're going to push it in that direction no, either. If that's not, not appropriate. Choice. In fact, there are some times when probably that shouldn't happen. Maybe the healthiest choice is out of the marriage. And so yep. a good counselor is not going to have an agenda that's contrary to a client. So just ask yes. the questions to make sure that even if you're not sure what the outcome is going to be, that you're working with a counselor who is going to respect the choices and help you make the healthy choices right. to whatever outcome you have. Mm-hmm. Caution number six is to guard against going into a fair recovery counseling with an agenda of changing your partner. Mm. Effective couples counseling 
begins to happen when each partner is willing to focus on what they need to do to change and how they contribute to healing of the relationship mm -hmm. rather than going in with the expectation of, well, I'm going in so I can help the counselor understand why you need to be fixed. Right. Now, I mean, I think this is particularly hard for the betrayed spouse because sure. it's very clear that the their partner needs to do a significant amount of work and confession so. yes, yeah. to help in healing. But... I even encourage the betrayed partners to come in and say, okay, we're talking about a particular situation that you did not start, mm -hmm. that you did not give approval of. Mm -hmm. It was done against your will and oftentimes against your knowledge. Yes. But you are part of the recovery too. Mm -hmm. There are choices you are going to have to be willing to make. And if this counseling is going to be effective, you need to come in with a willingness to trust the counselor to lead you into places of vulnerability to help towards healing. Sure. I think it's easy to, to go on with the mindset of you're going to fix my partner and my marriage. It's going to be better. And, all, and, you know, it's going to be rainbows and unicorns. But the reality is it takes two people in any relationship. And even in a fair recovery, it takes two people owning their own stuff if they want hope for their marriage. Now, I imagine that there are plenty of betrayed spouses listening to that right now and going, <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't do this. You're making it sound like it's a 50-50 deal. Here, here's what nope. I would say to nope. them. Don't worry about whether it's 50-50. Just realize that in the process of recovery, even if you're dealing with an issue that you didn't start, you're not responsible for bringing about. And even if you have the opinion that the difficulties we're facing right now, okay, I get angry, I do and say some things, but my contribution to this problem is only 10%. Mm -hmm. Even if that's true, my encouragement would be coming to counseling, being willing to focus on your 10%. Yep. You can be honest about the other, and you will need to be honest about what your partner has done and all of that. But when it comes to the focus of change, be willing to come in and address those things and look at those things too, because... You know, moving forward and healing requires vulnerability on both parts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My husband was very, I guess, closed off or in denial or still blaming me. You know, he just didn't really see his part. Although what I, you know, the gift that I got out of that was that I was able to see mine. And that sounds weird coming from a betrayed spouse, but... You really helped me look at the things that I needed to look at to make my life better, to make my life dealing with things better. So that moves us to number seven, where we want to encourage any individual counseling that takes place to be done with a different counselor than the couple's counselor. Yeah, the caution is don't do individual counseling and couple's counseling with the same counselor. Right. Because then the other partner may feel that there's a bias or... Well, sure. I mean, especially if the counseling has started individually... Right. How does that partner that's been out of the process not feel a little bit defensive or cautious when they come in? Sure. Which doesn't mean that your couples counselor may ask for individual time well, with sure. each of you. Yeah. But there may be a session or two here sure. and there. But the overall, if the focus is individual and you're working only on yourself, then that's a little bit different than just having some individual time with your couples counselor. Yeah. So if you've started an individual counseling, you should not use that individual counselor for your joint work. Right. And if you've been involved in joint counseling, you should not move towards individual counseling with that counselor unless the marriage has ended. Exactly. And, you know, there's an agreement that, well, I'm not going to see that counselor anymore. If it's helpful to you, go ahead and see them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That may be hard if you've got a counselor you really like and mm -hmm. you trust them, but ask them for a referral. And I know it can be difficult, especially if you're in a small town too, and maybe yeah. their options are a little limited. 
but more problems can arise mm -hmm. having the same counselor. Well, I mean, listen, let's speak honestly as a counselor. And I was talking to Sharon about this the other day. If you've been working with one partner over a series of sessions, mm -hmm. you are going to have a particular kind of understanding, probably a certain kind of empathy with that person. You will have heard it from their point of view. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible as a human, even though we're trained and we work really hard at being unbiased, it's almost impossible to bring that experience now and to be completely neutral and unbiased right. if the partner comes in and you start joint sessions. Yeah, we're human. So ethically, as counselors, we're taught for good reason mm -hmm. not to do that. Yes. The last caution we want to mention is don't quit counseling too soon. Sometimes the tendency is we've moved towards healing and there's some relief from those heightened emotions and this is starting to feel a little bit like there's hope. So we're just going to stop now mm -hmm. without doing the work of why this happened and what the future looks like because it is a long process of healing. It's easy just to be like, okay, we're good. We're done. Yeah, as soon as the relief is felt, yes. don't need the counseling mm -hmm. anymore. I feel like it's half the battle. You've really done half the battle. Yeah. You've reduced the trauma, but you haven't moved towards the kind of change that are going to make this marriage different. Mm -hmm. I know that those couples, even though they've avoided maybe the initial threat of, you know, is this marriage going to survive or not? That's calmed down a little bit. There's an agreement. Okay, we're going to work together. Those things that are necessary for them to learn in order to have a different kind of marriage, to continue working towards intimacy and trust, they probably don't have the tools to do it yet. Having a good start isn't the same as having a good finish. Yeah. So there's more work that needs to be done for this to really have the benefit in your marriage that you want it to have. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't ever want to do all this work and go through this pain only to have to go back and do it all over again because you didn't finish, finish the, the job. Work. Yeah. Finish the work. Yep. Finish the work. Jennifer and I and Sharon too are all very passionate about being counselors that help individuals and couples move through a fair recovery and healing. We know the benefits of counseling and that's why we strongly encourage people to look for a counselor in the area. We're also aware of the fact that for one reason or another, some people cannot find a counselor in their area or may have barriers to going to counseling. So each of us does offer phone coaching as well. Yep. And you can go onto our site, affairhealing.com slash coaching to find out more information about that. We'd be happy to help you just take your next steps towards healing. Be well. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by affairhealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for a fair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.